Okay, here we are. Hello. Hey, welcome back to the studio. Thanks. You've you been too. on your adventurous mind travel things. Yeah. We're hoping that you have some good stuff to report back to us. Yeah, in me terms too. Of what you found? <laughs> I'm I'm uh, so in the summer energy. It's so funny because um, you know, if I feel like you know, personality-wise, I'm, I'm a quite grounded person. That's how I sort of associate myself, and that's right. where I like to be. You know, and I like to be around the equinoxes too. You know, so I can even see it on the outside of myself. And I don't know if that's me growing up near the equator or something, but I like when things are sort of level. All right. So when I go into like, uh, I step out into the unknown, like stuff. And it's, it's sort of matching with exactly the time of like the highest point in light and all that kind of stuff. I can really feel that energy. In fact, I hope everyone's sitting down because I'm drinking decaf and please don't judge me. Oh, um, I've had one coffee today, but I've, I've just decided, no, I actually, I've got too much jittery energy in me. Like ah. just, just from that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thing. I'm a, I'm a summer baby, so summer's my yeah. thing. The sun, Leo, yeah. lion, all that kind of it's, jazz. You know, if, if, if people are listening and they're in Britain or, or somewhere kind of quite north, then they'll get it. But I don't think anywhere in the States is high enough in latitude to really experience what we experience with the with the ch- shift in light. Yeah. You know, because we're, what, here, we're level with Canada yeah. up here. Yeah. You know, and, and there's hours and hours of, of north above yeah. us. So, yeah. No, I, I think, I think. I, it's quite a, that's it, one it of the things I think you. that makes it harder to live here for me anyway, because I mm. am a sun baby, so. I yeah. dig it when it's hot. Like people here are dying and crying about the heat. <laughs> when I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is just a warm spring day in the in the states. <laughs> yeah, Emma, it's not hot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so um, I'm breaking out my Hawaiian gigs um, because that was my last year's style change. I thought I wanted to add some color to my life. I'm just envious of women, basically, because you guys have... Well, I found this out recently, but apparently we can all blame a guy from the uh, maybe 18th century. Someone was telling me the story, and I'm going to get completely vague details. But basically, you know, in in the Renaissance, all the men had sort of, you know, bright colors and, and, you know, collars and ruffles and lace and all kinds of stuff. Right. And then this one guy came up with the idea of the suit and it was like what it means to be professional and you had to be beige or white and navy or black or gray and that was your like that meant that you were serious and so it all sort of yeah so so we have him to blame so since then i don't dig it but how come we haven't how come we haven't changed back well, I guess it is kind of changing. Well, someone said something to me about the fact that that was just around the time of, of the height of, you know, colonialism really getting going. Yeah. And then you have, like, the British being all, like, you know, professional and then going out to places that they decided were, like, savage yeah. in which men were wearing bright colors. And so that just whole reinforced that whole dynamic yeah, for, yeah. like, good. So, yeah, so I don't know. This could be, by the way, totally just, like, hearsay. This is just a story. Someone, Are you doing I don't a fake know. news I'm on just, us? I'm just curious <laughs> about it because, like... Are you doing a fake news on us? But I, I mean, what color thing? Think about, like, in nature and all the sort of colors and mate attraction and things like that. And if you look at some of the um, tribal things, like when you watch yeah. Tribe and things like that, the whole sort of colors and yeah, yeah. moving, there's an attraction. So anyway, point is aspect, that right on you and it suits you. Keep wearing yeah. those, those tropical colors. It has to be. It, it brightens yeah. everybody's day up. Even total strangers just feel compelled to talk mm-hmm. to me when I'm wearing See, my See, this is normal colors. attire in Florida. Well, yeah, no, exactly, isn't it? Yeah, Florida and Hawaii, normal, normal attire, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Um, so, topic for today. Topic for today. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that about samsara. 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 Yeah, now, samsara, yeah. when I looked at that, yeah, on the surface, yeah, I like the definition or the the translation of you know aimless wander, because <laughs> that's me. I'm like, hey, what's wrong with this thing? Mm-hmm. This is good, um, but I'm sure it has deeper levels than that and maybe a different connotation than the actual translation necessarily. There's it's like probably this aimless, directionless wandering. Well, samsara is the Buddhist term and probably Hindu as well for um, the inherently dissatisfactory nature of existence. 
So it's basically saying, like, okay, so, and, you know, I was thinking about this. So just, so just to clarify for me, because I'm just trying to match up from my reading this morning, which yeah. was about, I guess I didn't pick up dissatisfaction, and I picked up that you have to keep doing that cycle, and I picked up something about the mundane cycle, whereas yeah. you want to get to the next level. Right. So I, is so, that what a dissatisfaction? Yes. So basically, we're all, like, so under normal circumstances, we're all hmm. living in samsara, which is like the, the cycle of existence as it is when you're not trying to live consciously. Hmm. You know, when you're not, like, wakening up to, like, the nature of reality. So... You know, we can get like esoteric about this, but my sort of experience of what this actually means for us in our life is it's the feeling that you have in life that the rug could always be pulled out from under your feet. Is that not like, just death? <laughs> no, but anything. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, so if you think about animals, like animals sort of live in this like ever present now and don't necessarily, as far as we right. know, so question the, the nature of their existence. Well, they don't, and, and they all don't that contemplate kind of the fact of their existence right. or that death right. is imminent necessarily. Right. So right. I guess on our minds, we yeah. are aware of our mortality. So it's that awareness coupled with the nature of things, which is that at any moment, you know, stuff could hit the fan hmm. or the rug could be pulled out from under your feet. And, you know, you only have to live a certain amount of time to have this happen to you. So like, you know, a big example in my life is like, you know, I grew up with two parents who were very happy together and, you know, most of my childhood was pretty happy. I remember like one massive fight that my parents had and like that, do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. how it was. Like my parents just didn't fight. They were happy, whatever. And then one day I get home from university and my mom's crying at the sink and I'm like, what's wrong? And suddenly everything blows up and I realize my parents are telling me that they're separating mm. and then they got divorced and it was really ugly. And everything that I sort of knew about what I thought my world was like was ripped out from under my feet. Yeah. So I think that, you know, and we all can think of our own sort of, you know, personal examples of moments in which that happened, moments in which we were like walking through our day and then something just totally unexpected derailed everything. And sometimes that can be for a really great reason. Like sometimes that can be like, oh my God, I won the lottery or, hmm. oh my God, I got a promotion. I didn't even apply for it or you know, oh my God, I met the love of my life and now I'm really happy and I thought I'd never meet someone. So, you know, it's, it can go both ways, but there's an inherently, um, <laughs> we've got some company now. We've got, we've got, there's like inherent in our existence, in our life, is the knowledge that nothing is permanent and that we don't have a lot of control over a lot of things that we care about and that we are growing older yeah. and all of these things. So all of these things sit in the nature of our life. We can't get escape them. And so that's, so that's samsara. That's the, the inherently dissatisfactory nature of existence is when is we try and, is it well, inherent dissatisfaction or is it the label dissatisfaction in the sense that if you, if, um, if you are very stoic, for instance, mm -hmm. and you accept that life is life and that death is a part of that and that you're not necessarily attached to or trying to hang on to something. But then you're, you're moving out of samsara because you're wakening up. Well, if you never had a, an awareness of that. So, 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 so as samsara happens when you make the conscious decision to try and hang on to life versus... Samsara, Actually. yeah. So it's like, it's a mentality. Hmm. It's a mindset and a mind state that most of us are in. So, it, you know, life is how it is, you hmm. know. And, and, you know, there's even an argument that we have had and, and will continue to have for all time about whether or not there is existence as, you know, is there a real reality or is this just a perception in our minds? Like, we might never, you know, we're never going to know the answer to that. Yeah. But... What, I'm, what, what they're talking about when they say samsara is like the mentality of looking, which is what most of us do, looking for fulfillment and happiness and, you know, a feeling of well-being and um, satisfaction 
in a world that is inherently transitory, unpredictable, and you know the rug could be pulled out of your feet at every minute. How so much the is juxtaposition that is, is, is between self-inflicted, though. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. It is a hundred percent self-inflicted. N- not, not just individually, but society. So the condition mm. that says culturally coming in. So just take success, for instance, yeah. or here are the things that a successful life looks like. If you look around you and you don't have those things, yeah. then you know, you're know you not in the game. And so now I've got that status anxiety as, um, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name, just say it'll come. Alan Botang writes about oh, status right. uh-huh. anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking at the Joneses and they have this and I don't have that. So I've got this gap and... Um, society looks at that and says that's success. You don't have success. You're not successful. So I've got this, yeah. this, I would say artificially created, yeah. <laughs> um, dissatisfaction, and yeah. because you're conditioned to want these things. You're conditioned by the ads that you see. You're conditioned by um, loads of things that are bombarded at you all the time. Even we're online now. I was, I was, um, I was, I had a little, just a like a 15 second rant because I'm trying to watch some stuff and then the stupid ad comes up on the YouTube thing and I was like why is everyone trying I can't even watch a video without someone saying here buy this thing and I'm like well I don't want that thing but I had to look at this you know 15 second advertisement for something that I don't want Um, so there's this constant bombardment of that aspect there's this constant um, push for being have a successful life to um to thrive there's that big push for that and I just wonder if we change that condition from a societal point of view how would that affect people's well-being and mentality yeah I mean all of this stuff see for me I feel like all of this stuff is driven at a base level by by the individual like you know I suppose that's because I, I sort of accept that that's the only thing we can change in a way is, is how we are. Hmm. But also, you know, it's like you said before too, it's like your belief system creates your reality. Hmm. So if you believe that satisfaction, that, you know, self-worth, that all this kind of stuff comes from outside stuff like success or, you know, whatever your house or your car or whatever and you know it's quite easy to label those things but we all have things you know that we that if we really are honest make us feel certain ways and but we buy into it a little bit um if we if we really buy into it then it creates this world you know so this world is created by the belief that that external stuff will bring us happiness isn't it well, I don't know if the world's created that way. Society is exactly moved that way. That uh, yeah, I suppose yeah. that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think not nature. I don't think I'm not nature. talking about yeah, nature. Na- nature no. didn't make us that way. We no. made ourselves that way. Yeah, um, and we continue to sort of perpetuate that in a sense. And I guess what the journey is is how do you reclaim your sense of self back from that? Um, yeah. I, about maybe well, about three weeks ago I did some stuff on sort of stoicism well actually I was looking at Montaigne's How to Live yeah um, and he was exploring some of the um, uh, the pragmatic philosophy so mm-hmm. um, the oh, why, is, why is my mind going blank have you been taking your um, brain <laughs> my mind's just going blank have you been taking your bra- brain enhancement no, I, things no I haven't well, that's why is that why it is? That's why it is. That's why it's going blank. But anyway, so basically looking at this concept of, of um, and one of the things he had in there is a sort of death exercise that the Stoics would do, as in either imagine right. that you would be, you know, that today is your last day. Ever, right. What's important in there. But the other one is Seneca was really big on this one. I mean, it's another meditation that you can do—a death meditation, as or not death meditation, but a, imagine that you didn't have the thing, so that you don't get attached to things. So imagine right. you don't have the thing now. What does and, and and imagine yourself in that space so that you appreciate it while you do have it. So there's right. a recognition that it could go away at any time. 
pull yeah. the rug from under you. You could yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. you could lose it all. Yeah. And so they had a regular practice of meditation of on not having it. Right, and going right, right. through those experiences and that journey. So when it did happen, one, you're prepared for it because you've already visualized the situation happening. Um, but the second bit of it is helps to reinforce for you and that nothing is permanent. Mm-hmm. And that while you have it, appreciate it, but don't be attached to it. And, and they went so far as like family, kids, you know, and you would do, you know, imagine you lost your son, for instance. Um, And so they would go to that extent of everything that, like you said, that's external to you. So this whole idea if it's if most things are outside of our control and it's those things that you let go of because there's nothing you can do with them. They can go away, the transient, all that. Um, Focus on the things that you can control essentially, which is your internal stuff. Yeah. And then. Make yourself appreciate what you have, why you have it, but don't be attached. So I think that was the, that's yeah, the, right, base, right, right. the basic story yeah. um, I behind mean, that. For me, samsara, and because, you know, it's there's either a Matrix quote or there's a Lord of the Rings quote or Star mm. Wars quote. It's one of the three, isn't right. it? Like, that pretty much covers life. That covers it all. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, when I think of samsara, I always think of that moment when... Um, uh, Morpheus is talking to Neo about like you you know something's not right with the world and you don't know what it is and it's like an what does he say like a, a itch or like a something yeah. in your mind yeah. you know and you you just something's off something's not right and obviously they have a whole story about you know technology oh, so taking yeah. over the human race but you know which I, <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying it's that but I think you know I would venture to say if you're spending time listening to this podcast, if you're spending any time on any kind of spiritual practice, then you know what I'm talking about. Because if everything was just hunky dory and you were like, yeah, this is cool. I'm just, I'm just going with the flow. Then you just, you just be going with the flow. You wouldn't bother to be like investigating, you know, you wouldn't have a curiosity about something because the curiosity is born of like a question, like, this isn't quite right. Could it be right? Could it be better? Is it about... I don't is know. Is it that or is it just our nature to... I mean, the, I think we're where we are because we have a questioning nature, questing nature to... That's true, like but... Some, some yeah. people don't. Some people, are, yeah. which I call a sort of maybe a Homer Simpson mentality. I don't actually question things. I just, just do stuff because that's what I've been told to do. So I'm completely in the herd. Where some people, you know, quite okay with questioning things they're curious I mean that's I mean think of all the advancements in technology and things that we have comes from people so that kind of curiosity I feel like yeah there's a there's a curiosity and and we pursue science we pursue math and we pursue art and all this kind of stuff and and that's that's sort of not quite what I'm talking about but I think that you know there's there's something that a lot of people experience that is like I feel like it could be better than this. I feel like I'm not quite in the zone or I feel like things aren't quite right. And that, you know, might come out of a, you know, big that's experience. That's what the whole, um, of, of existential crisis is yeah. about. That's what that, that's exactly yeah. the definition of, of the existential crisis is you're going along, you're doing things, and at some point in time you have this, you know, something's not quite right here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whether that's physically, spiritually, or whatever, it's like something's mm-hmm. not right. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And then you have that pause that says, I've been doing all of this and I've been towing the line, but to what end? What's the end point to yeah. this? And then you have yeah. that. And that I think that what you're question. saying about to what end, that part of the question I think is, is about, you know, is described in the cyclical nature of samsara. So, I mean, if you're talking to a Buddhist, then they're, they're in the zone of, like, multiple births, you know, like, yeah. so they're, you know, life doesn't end with death. You just reincarnate and go through again until you stop buying into it, if you see what I mean, yeah. I guess. But... Um, you go on to the next level. You know, I think, you know, for me, I guess, like, okay, so, so there's the sort of... I suppose existential or philosophical questions around samsara, but then for me, in a real way, 
it's really about like how do I get because like you know all of this this questioning particularly in the spiritual sense for me started and I can't remember how old I was I was over eight because I know which house I was in but I remember lying in bed and having this really profound understanding that I was going to die you know I think I've talked about this before but you know and I I feel like you know that comes to everyone now we we can have multiple responses to that you can just bury that deep you know and just continue as if that's not going to happen to you as if you're the only human being that's not going to do that or maybe you just have the response that's like well it's going to happen but there's no point thinking about it I'll just live how I live and you know whatever but then I feel like there's a lot of potential for a whole expansive experience to turn around and face that question. So instead of just, you know, turning your back on it and being like, well, okay, to actually turn towards it, like all the Stoics did, and really like, how can I get okay with these realities of life? And that's sort of the engagement with samsara and that eventually sort of, I don't know, for, for many people then prompt them to go on sort of, more internal journeys about mm. you know what do I do with this then because you I, know? I hadn't fully appreciated this but the sort of pragmatic philosophies one of one of the tenets of philosophy is how to die yeah right so you and and part of the practice is doing that meditation doing that reflecting on death so that when you do die you can have a good death yeah <laughs> if that right. makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so that yeah that was that was a part of the tenets of the sort of practical philosophy in that inn, yeah. um, which is interesting. And I, um, the other folks who have a good take on this is the um, samurai warriors and the Bushido. Yeah, right. Um, and that whole sort of Bushido aspect is to, for them, it was to accept that you're already dead. Right. And in that way, do everything so for them it was do everything as if you're already dead yeah right basically yeah. so do it with intensity so don't ever do anything half-ass don't yeah 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 you know, yeah, you yeah. Could, you know when you kiss your wife goodbye your husband goodbye kiss them as if it's the last time you're ever going to kiss them because at yeah. one time it is going to be that so you always do everything with that intensity yeah. and just consider yourself already dead yeah i think i think that samsara is not just about death though i think it's it's about that feeling that life is the uncertainty and i think you know the the other aspect for me about samsara is is something that can really generate a lot of compassion in your life for yourself and other people because you know to wake up every morning and step out into the world is actually an incredibly brave act like if you actually think about it Hmm. if you think about like we wake up and we kind of go through every day as if like we kind of know what's going to happen, you know, and we like, okay, we're going to go to work or we're going to, this is, you know, how we're going to drive there. And I've got these meetings planned and then I got to get the kids and, you know, or I've got to meet that person for drinks after work. And, you know, we we have this sort of plan of the day and, you know, quite a lot of times, enough times it goes pretty much according to plan so that we are under an, assumption that it will always go according to plan yeah the sun's gonna come up tomorrow when i flip that light switch then you know you get some light but there's but there's also the fact that we're actually quite intelligent creatures and underneath that we know that the proverbial could hit the fan at any moment or the rug could be pulled out of our feet because we've all had those moments where we've had a phone call and suddenly someone's been in a car accident or we've been in a doctor's and we've gotten really bad news or we've gotten a phone call from our, you know, a loved one with really bad news or, you know, just, just things that you just were walking through your day. This was not on your agenda and suddenly your life is incredibly different. And, you know, so, so even though we sort of have this plan, we walk around also as intelligent creatures with this seed of shadow of knowledge that like it could really not be like this. So in a way I feel like, you know, this stepping out into our day we have to be incredibly brave, you know, and... But some people would say, like, you know, um, like people who don't engage in these kind of conversations, they would see that almost as... Um, 
why are you spending time on that? Yeah. As yeah. in, one, you can't affect or change it. It's gonna, if it happens, it's going to happen. Yeah. But why, why waste, and that will be their words, why waste energy thinking yeah. about that when you could be I guess, and, and focused like, on totally. more practical things and doing stuff and getting on yeah, with yeah, life yeah. as opposed to thinking totally. about... I mean, I can only answer that for myself, mm. but my answer to that personally is because when I don't, the reason I'm not facing it is because of fear. Yeah, but that, is that... You know, so, so, okay. so, 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 I mean, that's just me personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what has compelled me to, to go, okay, I feel like I could continue on without without really thinking too much about this stuff and kind of not dwelling on it. And I don't mean like dwell on it in a like, oh, this in is so terrible. Yeah, like, in a morbid way uh, You know, any moment and, life yeah. could, you know, whatever, or, or in a way that makes you incredibly anxious, but more in a, in a sort of, you know, movement towards an ability to surrender to a flow of life in which you are not essentially in control. You know, there is that other option as an attitude. But so I think that kind of stuff can happen in an instant. That's just a mindset change. Oh, yeah, it totally can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I, I guess I liked about the whole sort of existential mm-hmm. philosophy or thought process is once you take that journey, not to say that any of this stuff is true, but for them, this that once you accept the concept that life is essentially meaningless, there's no mm-hmm. point to it, um, and it is it's absurd... It's incredibly uh, freeing. It's incredibly freeing because mm-hmm. you're free to then create meaning for yourself and then live according to those sort of principles that you've created consciously um, versus having the anxiety, having this angst because yeah. I don't know, I'm not yeah. sure, everything feels out of my control. Yeah. Um, in that sort of sense. And I find that quite liberating. I find it also quite, you know, for me, I, I like, like, I don't have the f- a fear of death. I don't mind yeah. me, you die, you die. Um, don't really care much about afterlife or cyclical because, again, it's... Just don't know. It's a, yeah. it's a, I'll find out when I get there. Yeah. But it, I like just exploring the idea of it. Yeah. It's like I have no attachment to um, any of them. I just... It's stimulating for me mm-hmm. to explore the curiosity. Okay, that's an interesting um, thought process. That's an interesting takeaway of, of looking at things. And um, I think I've always, I've always had, um, I always had a kind of a mindset of that, that, that way from a young age. I wasn't attached to these things and I mean my mom used to you know get your head out of the clouds kind of thing because she was kind of quite the sort of you know down to earth practical stuff and it's like oh you're always you know off <laughs> in the clouds head in the clouds get your feet on the ground uh, but yeah always had this 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 ability but it, it served yeah. me even as a kid because I never succumbed to peer pressure either because I felt I never felt compelled to be right about something. Be right about something. Yeah. Belong to some group just like other people. Um, talk like other people. I just never had that compulsion. But what it did f- help me with then uh, is that I had a very broad range of friends. Like I could hang out with the jocks. I could hang out with the sort yeah. of nerds. I could hang out with the stoners. So I had a, a large span of people to which I could sort of relate to. Um, and strong enough I guess in my own sort of self-belief or confidence whatever you want to call that to not feel the need to conform in that sense yeah and I think in that so no one tried to make me conform or what they did try to make me conform and it didn't work I didn't I don't think they knew how to handle Handle that that. yeah Yeah. and even you know to you know I remember at sort of West Point and I used to frustrate the heck out of some of my sort of upper class when we first got there as plebes and they're yelling and they go and most people were like all terrified and all this stuff and they would be trying to make me terrified and then I wasn't terrified and they would get they would they would get themselves even more mad because they weren't having the desired effect on me. And I just always found it well, it was humorous to me. 
You can you can see through it. I think yeah. is the whole thing. You can yeah. sort of you're not believing it. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Also, like to to circle back. So one of the things that I hear you saying is that, like that process that that we are subjected to, what however we react to it, of conformity, is one of the things that makes life, at least in our day and age, but probably forever, like mm. a little bit dissatisfying because we can't fit into someone else's mold because that's not who we are. Is that what you're saying? Well, it didn't make it dissatisfying. It made it more satisfying because I didn't have to conform. Right. Yeah. But for most, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But mm. for most people who feel like then that they have that, to conform, yeah. then yeah. yeah. So, and then my other question is when you think about that moment in the matrix where he's talking about that there's something wrong with the world and you're not sure what it is. Like, do you ever feel that? Like outside yeah. of a story of outside you know, of the tech. story, no. Well, because when you look at when you look at life and you look at all the crazy, ridiculous things that we do, that's the thing that makes me think. You know, this you know this isn't right. As in all the stuff. Just look at any human being, and you watch. When I look at sometimes when I just stop and I watch humans, and I think we are such the most ridiculous creatures in nature that's ever created just look at the stuff that we do <laughs> it's just i don't know it just tickles me in that that sort of sense and it's like okay well you know what is that about is it you know we joke about the matrix in the future but actually is it really just about control so how do you so if you think about this and i've done this thought exercise as well here is that how do you control the population of people so, you know, if everyone was f- truly free, mm-hmm. so none of us is free, I mean, we say it and we use the words, but yeah, not yeah. really. Um, but if we were truly free to do whatever it is that we wanted to do, you would have chaos. Um, so how do I control the chaos? So create customs, create laws, create religion, create spirituality, create these things that give people something to occupy their time with their minds distract them in a sense um, and I have to keep that and I have to keep changing think about the matrix I had to keep changing the matrix to make it as we kind of expand it and got wiser they had to make it such that they to the point where you don't feel like you're in the matrix because you feel like you have free will that you have control that you, you know, you're in charge of your own sort of destiny um, and then you stop questioning the fact that actually, why am I doing it? So why do people get up and go to work in the morning? Is that a real question? That's a question. Because they need money to pay their bills. Right. Why do they need money to pay their bills? Um, because we're not hunter-gatherers building our own houses. Because we created this system. Exactly. And we made money. Money is nothing but paper. It doesn't have any real significance whatsoever. But we, we created a system and we got enough people believing in this system that you get up and you go to work. You don't, yeah, I got to eat. But I think that, I think what you're saying is more than just controlling people is about distracting them. And I agree with you. I think what you're saying, it's more than that. It's about... It's control for me. It's It's about control. but But it's, but in order to control people so that they're, so that people are not just doing whatever they want and we're having chaos... It's not just about distracting them. It's about giving them a mental framework that is a prison for their mind. It's exactly yeah. how, you know, the Matrix says so it. So when it's I say like, distraction, that's the yeah, same it, thing. It's well, like it's, it's keeping not, you from not, questioning the system and keeping you from doing something about that. Yeah, but but, but, I but think that's like, not always been true. Think about, you know, look at, we just had 4th of July last yesterday, right? You know where we rebelled against England. I love celebrating that yeah, over well, here, no, by the way. Well, yeah, so we <laughs> had that. But if you think about historically, you know, part of the British Empire, um, we were the least taxed British colony, but we went to war over representation, you know, taxation without representation, even though we were the least taxed colony of them all. But we needed to, we wanted to overthrow that system to have another system. So we, we broke from that sort of control. So you don't, you know, you know, it's, it's a case of when I say sort of, you know, distraction. So how do we keep people from going up to that 
sort of space. Even in our constitution, it's written that we have the right to sort of overthrow the government. It's no longer sort of serving us. Um, but of course, the government doesn't want that. So how do I keep creating things that keep you I occupied? I think that's true. And I, but I think that like there's, for me, it's two different things. Because like distraction for me means like my kid is having a tantrum and I go, look, here's a lollipop. And they're like, oh. Or like, oh, what, you know, when, when your kid's little enough where you're like, oh, look over there, what's that? Oh, my gosh. And they're like totally distracted from their crying and like suddenly are looking over there and and it's just it, their attention is taken away from it. Whereas what you're talking about and what I think is right is that there's a, and this is how it links back with samsara, I think as well, very like clearly is there's a mental value system that is set up that's like this is what this is what is good and this is what is not good this is how you'll get happy this is how you will deal with suffering like this is how you navigate your life so that you're safe you know it sort of plays on all of our our essential core human needs about mm. safety and about you know and the fact that we're herd animals and well, we want to exactly. be a part of the herd be, and we want to be connected and feel belonging don't, don't and all that kind of stuff. That's right. From the herd. So so there's this whole belief system, and I think that is that is really on a sort of um, both broader and deeper level, like what samsara is as well. It's like you know here we're talking about a particular society's values about consumerism or you know, what going to work and capitalism and all this kind of stuff, like how it works for us now. But with samsara, it's also about, you know, that same kind of pursuing security in a world and safety and, um, you know, what what's the word I want? Like, um, when you, confidence that you know, that you know it's gonna be okay in a world in which you will never get that confidence. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like in a world in which things but are always changing, nothing is, is lasting, nothing is for sure. If you're constantly looking for safety and um, security and reliability in a world that is inherently not like that, then there is going to be a sense of like um, friction and but dissatisfaction. But don't you have chaos if you don't at some point, and this is maybe the problem with our brains and the fact that you know it has to find patterns, it has to you know, once it has the patterns, it knows how to do stuff without you having to sort of think about it. So if I have to constantly think about the fact that, you know, life get in right this second, would you get anything done? I don't think it's about constantly thinking that it's going to end this second. I think that it's a, um, I mean, like... I mean, it, it gets hard because we're starting to, to move into talking about things, about what it's like to have what the Buddhists would call a, a fully awakened mind. And, and I'm talking from a mind that is not fully awakened, so I can't really tell you. How do you, you know, know, how I mean? do you know your mind's not fully awakened? Well, I know it. No, like, I'm just saying, but how would a person know that their mind's I think fully you, well, awakened? I, I mean, I think I still catch myself bought into stuff I still get upset by things that you know so there's th there's these things right yeah, like some someone can say something to me that's hurtful yeah. and you know I feel like if you know if I if I truly just was my own sanctuary you know and I and I understood how we were all connected how that person like that 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 was really about them and not about me and nothing so they can say you know, you know like then to me about that is that you know that what you just described right. to me so there's a difference like if you yes, sat absolutely. there and you weren't able to describe it to me yeah then i get it then that person's not awakened but the fact that you're sitting here telling me this thing but it still upsets me it's okay you're a human being so so you know how do you escape being a human well, I don't think that being a human means that you have to react in certain ways. It's part of your, it's just, you know, it's unless, unless you're a different creature. <laughs> Clay, like, you, <laughs> know, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of stop you there. And yeah. just in the sense that, like, I totally get what you're saying, yeah. but not every path suits everybody. Yeah, no, I get so that. In this, I get the, in this the thing instance, that's, that's interesting to me. Is I, I mean, you, so you still get upset. And is that a bad thing? No, but yeah. the but I can see the reason why I get upset. Yeah. 
And is that, but is it that bad? But you can see it and you can reflect on it. Well, and I mean, in the same way change. that I get blinded by anger still. Yeah. Like, I still shout at my kids sometimes. So like, when you I become awakened, you, will not, you won't do that anymore when you become awakened, when your mind's awakened. I think, I think I would do it in a different way. I think if I would be still in my, it's more of an experiential yeah. thing. So I think until you've like experienced it, because I've had moments of this clarity, you know, and, and connection. So I, I know what it's like, but I know I'm not always in it, right. if you see what I mean. Yeah. So, like, I think that if you shout at your kid because you are, you are calm and clear inside, but you see that that's what they need in order to understand this is dangerous or whatever, there's, like, a purpose behind it. But, no, I'm shouting because I'm pissed. Yeah. You know, and, I like, the, the rage and the the fear and the you know not fully in control is there for me still so you know so when you have an awakened mind then that won't happen anymore i think so i think you'll you know what 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 again like mm. how, how do i describe something that i i don't know you yeah. know i I, I don't know yeah. but i you know, you know i imagine you, that yeah. what it is yeah. like is you feel something or you see something and you know, you're able to respond. You know, we've all had those moments of, of, of being clear, you know, like, and it's, I suppose, in a way, something similar to, like, you're able mm. to sort of respond more clearly to other people's children than you are to your own, mm. in a way, because your own kids trigger you in a different way than, so it, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit more like that or something, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can relate from, uh, judo works on a sort of same yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. principle, isn't it? So, um, when I was active, judoka um the matches that were effortless are the ones where you didn't think yeah 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 you just yeah flow um when it, the matches were hard is when you were trying to force a throw trying to make the yeah. match go the way that you want to do i yeah. want to do the, uh, arm throws and trying to force that throw as opposed to be in a relaxed state and then you know because your awareness is then heightened enough then you're you do the throw that's the throw for that yeah. instance as yeah, opposed yeah, to trying, yeah, to, yeah. trying to, to fit one. And yeah, just like you're saying, like, you know, you know all judo players who are, you know, experienced, you know this, but yeah. then you also have an ego sometimes and you just want to, I just want to crush this dude. So well, you throw all that sort of stuff out of the yeah. way and you try and sort of force, but then if you want to get back into space. But the, the thing that I guess where I'm, why I was asking the questions that I'm asking is because we know that and we also know how to get to the space where you're relaxed. Because I now have an awareness of what Mm. it means, so I know how to say, okay, you know. But I think, so in my experience, Mm. there's a difference between having experienced something once and being able to abide in that frame of mind mm. you so, know what I mean because I had even with the kids one because then this took me and this is I don't know what do you want to call this one but um, we were going on we were on a trip long trip anyway and then Brittany yeah. had we stopped at a service station um, and she left her doll in the boot yeah. and we were and we'd already started driving down the motorway again and she's screaming and pitching and fitting ah. yeah. um, and I'm not one to get angry hardly ever but I just went ah went I just I got angry <laughs> yeah but then on reflection realizing that that doll is her whole world and she can't under that the motorway and driving and stopping that doesn't register it was just, the doll was the most important thing yeah but having that click to say well actually you have to understand the world from her point of view yeah then there's no there's no reason for you know there's no anger for me in that yeah that sort of sense and um, and I think one of the things that helps me in these aspects is, is that empathy and understanding that people, being able to understand the world from another person's point of view. Yeah. As I in really there's things that are going on in your world, so yeah. if you're angry, well, like, uh, that does, has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Um, then the times when I get angry, which I don't really do, but the times when I'm kind of been out of shape about a thing, um, it'll be a time when I'm trying to hold on to something. Yeah. But then when I feel that feel, then it's like, okay, well, actually, and again, for me. Is this worth it? Well, I just put yeah. it back in its 
its framework and where it belongs, and then I can sort of let it sort of flow, flow by, yeah, and yeah. It don't have to attach to it. So, I guess what I was saying is that you, you know, I don't know how you escape being human. So some of the reactions we have as part of our biology, it's yeah. wired that way. It helps us to survive. I mean, if we didn't have it, you know, we wouldn't have lasted this long. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think, you know that we forget sometimes is that we are animals <laughs> and yeah. we have these things but we think we've evolved and we're too intelligent now for our own base instincts yeah um, reconnecting with that and understanding that aspect and then the rest of it is the practice yeah so you do it you adjust it happens it's going to happen but why beat yourself up for it because that's again not part of the game it's okay it's happened and you just it's almost to let it flow through it's yeah. almost yeah. You know, happened had that experience drop it and continue with the flow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's right or something like that anyway yeah that sounds good let's stick with that yeah get back in the flow just yeah. drop it and get back in the flow that's it just get back into the <laughs> into the flow yeah, that's start right. flowing that's yeah right. well even like you know there's sometimes you look at the world i look at the world anyway and i'm thinking you know, there is a lot of stuff that's wrong with the world. There is a lot of, like, I've, you know, my faith in, like, um, governments is at its all-time low. As you look at people yeah. doing stuff yeah. and and are able to get away with it and yeah. they're above the law because yeah. nothing happens. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen the clip of um, the police. I can't remember which state it was, but essentially... Um, a little kid had walked out of the dollar store with mm-hmm. an item. Mm-hmm. The store owner is called the police. Now they had about four or five cops around these, this this the truck where there was a pregnant woman in, and then there was a guy in there yelling, screaming, effing, but I would snatch the guy out of the car and they're kicking him around. And then they're trying to make the lady get out, but it's got the, and they got their guns drawn. And she's got the child lock on, so she can't get out of the back. But they're getting angrier and angrier. And then um, finally, like, one of them unlocks the, the child thing. She's going to yank her out. And she's got her kids. Kids only like three months old or whatever. Basically can't walk. And they're like wanting her to put her hands up. She's like, I can't put my... And they were trying to make her put her baby down on the hot concrete down. This was down in the south. So it was hot. And they were trying to make her put the baby on the ground so she could put her hands up. Um, and you know she's they, you know, this person has a gun pointed at her. This one's just yelling and trying to snatch the baby, make her put the baby on the ground. Luckily, some residents were there, and people were filming, and someone came down. Um, and then they made her give the kid to a stranger. So again, it's like you're making this lady trust that that person's going to look after her kid. Um, and so all of this is happening, and nothing is going to happen to any of those police officers. And that makes me have less faith in the system where, you yeah. know, it's not as you're making it up. I mean, you're watching it in real oh, time yeah. happen. Totally, totally. Um, and then you, the commissioner came on, and he was, you know, trying to make some official speak. And it's like, it was, if they had walked into a shop with thousand-pound items in the kid maybe walked out <laughs> it still doesn't it, matter it doesn't to be treated matter, that way i know but this was a dollar store and it, it was a little kid you know and the parents just wasn't paying attention and the kid walked out of the store with the thing and to have that kind of armed response <laughs> and then nothing's going to happen and i think well oh, there's something that's wrong <laughs> with yeah. the world and yeah. yeah and you can there's all sorts of other things that are, you know just going on with politicians and where they're kind of the things that they're doing and nothing will happen but then when we talk about the system of control and mechanisms and all that then you realize that you are a part of a sheep within that system yeah (laughs) and and that feels really hard because it's not clear what to do about it yeah unless you know unless we could you know i think we were very and i'm saying we because i'm part of the human race we were very clever to manipulate the system to the point where Everyone just doesn't grab up on, you know, we used to be a very violent species, didn't we? You know, I just, yeah. I just whip out my sword and, you know, gang up my game of boys and like go change the situation through yeah. violence. But, you know, we've now been conditioned that violence is not good and all that. So now we're more docile. Um, you know, in our constitution, it's about you, you have the right to overthrow. But who, who's going to be able to organize 
the citizens to be able to do that now. They don't have that kind of capability or power anymore. And no one wants to take that choice, you know, like that, that, you know, but also there's like a myriad of possibilities. Hmm. So I think, you know, it is that we have to look for the spaces in which we feel we can do something in a way that's, that's moral and, and safe and, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't no, know what the answer no. is. But I think well, the answer is you you figure out how you want to navigate life and you navigate life in that way, whether it's to be 100% in the system, whether we turn to religion, whether we turn to um, some other thing for that helps us to deal with that, that yeah. sort of aspect. Yeah. Um, you find the thing that helps you to navigate this world until you're not here anymore and yeah. off we go yeah. and then I think we'll know the story that's what I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the whole sort of death thing we have our pact now do we oh so yeah I'll come back I, I am if I go before you I'm coming back to say this gonna is what it is he's going to tell me and I'll tell you yes, and exactly. vice versa because you know it's just been too many people that have died and they haven't come back and told us the story <laughs> yeah at least I don't know none of my relatives have come back and said Clay hey man this is, this is here's the, the real deal holy feel <laughs> anyway okay so very good so um, what am I doing with this some sorry I'm sorry just um, noticing it yeah, but what, so how do I get out of it? What's the, how do I oh, go? Oh, that's a I, whole other podcast, I baby. I was, what I was looking at the. Um, well, that's the path to enlightenment. Yeah. So it's so like you the, move from samsara to moksha. To but what are some of the things that I need to start to do or look at? You know, what's my what do I need to practice that'll help me get to the space where I can move? To the uh, well, next see, level? okay, and I've just had a bunch of conversations about this, but I think that um, and again, this this will take us into like a huge other loop. Hmm. But I don't. I, I'm moving away from the idea that there has to be any kind of prescriptive practice. Like there has to be some kind of practice, but m- there are so many different well, traditions so and different practices that might suit you. Right. But it, it's more about for me. It's more about. Um, recognizing that there's an inner journey to take so that you can um, become more consciously aware of your relationship to these things outside. So exactly as you said, your attachment to certain things, your aversion or your like moving away from and resisting other things. And just even being aware of that is a huge Hmm. step and a huge like massive, massive process that you have to sort of take. And I think as you become aware of that, those ways that you direct your energy and direct yourself you then can have more of a conscious control and choice over Mm. whether you continue to do things that way or whether you do it another way and eventually you just snap all the threads and break free yeah well that's a quote i'll end with uh young said you know the things that you are aware of you can control those things that you're unaware of control you yeah so it's this journey towards self-awareness. Yeah. That's right. Excellent. Very good. Good to uh, have you back on the seat over there. I know. Same. With your coffee. And Same. even though it is a decaf coffee, so but I we'll know. let you off on uh, the sort of decaf piece. Oh, good. I'm glad I get um, let off the hook. It is weird. So and I, would ju- I, I judge myself. Yeah. Well, somebody I, sent I me a myself. meme the, the other day that was something along the lines of people that complain about drinking coffee or what, ask, you know, question why you drink coffee. Um, in the summertime or when it's hot don't understand coffee yeah that, um, yes that's true and they're not to be trusted yes <laughs> also true <laughs> All right, well, very Love good it. 